All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the recap episode of the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode 187. We're here. It's Monday. Um, got a lot of UFC 272 to get into. It was a great night of fights. It was a long night of fights. It felt like mm-hmm. a, felt like I was sitting through a marathon or something, man. I was... <laughs> I sat in my little chair in the living room for about six hours. Wouldn't have it any other way, but a, it can be a tiring experience sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot to get into there. Also, the 2022 Hall of Fame gets its headliner. And, uh, yeah, just much more UFC 272. So <clears throat> before we get into it, as my throat starts to collapse on me, <laughs> Dominic, my co-host, the man on my right, how are you feeling on this beautiful Monday morning? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling energized. We're coming <clears> off <throat> of another pay-per-view card, one that had a pretty good amount of takeaways, and uh, I'm excited to sit down and chit-chat with you for the next little bit here and give our thoughts, our opinions. Moving into the new week, we also are going to have a great card this coming weekend for a fight night, so I think it's going to be a good week, man. March is in full swing. It's been <clears> 75 <throat> and sunny outside. Whew, I, I feel it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I... Uh... I I have a balcony. Oh, I live on okay. the I live on the third or yeah third floor. So yesterday I just had that balcony door open. Oh I was yeah, just kind of going in and out. Man, it just like felt good yesterday. Mm. It was just like I just left the door open so the air the, the good air was coming in. Yeah, yeah. rejuvenating, <laughs> you know. Yeah, hopefully that weather. St- holds up that's the thing (laughs) i don't i don't want to go back to the 40s or whatever but uh i guess when we're watching fights which requires us to be inside ah true i guess the weather doesn't really matter then but hey you could always do what i used to do for college football saturdays you just take that tv put it right out there on the porch baby there you go porch drinking with noah (laughs) Yes, exactly. I don't think I have the the hookups out on my balcony to do it here, but um, I guess I have a view. I have like a bird eye view from the balcony to straight the television. The so I guess I could just sit out there. But I guess enough of that, you know. Enough, enough of, of the, the small, small talk. talk, right? UFC two seventy two is what is important, and it starts with the main event. Aye, aye, aye. Friends turned enemies turn one-sided beatdown as Colby Covington gets the win over Jorge Masvidal via unanimous decision. Pretty much what the majority opinion was expecting in terms of the uh, finish and that there wasn't one that went to a decision. Colby Covington Mm -hmm. getting a pretty dominant decision win. Dominic, to start our discussion here, I want to ask you, was there anything that surprised you about this fight? (sighs) No, mm. not really. It's weird. Like, it was such a big fight, uh, so much on the line, but then here we are recapping, and it's like, mm, I guess it did go as expected, like the headline says. I mean, Colby implemented the game plan that I think we all anticipated. Jorge fought how you would think he was going to fight. I mean, he did okay in the takedown defense, but at the end of the day, it was the pressure. It was the re- relentlessness of Colby Covington that ended up getting the win. There was the crazy moment in the fourth where they were swinging and banging and Jorge knocked Colby down. But other than that, it was pretty much smooth sailing for Covington from start to finish, man. So nothing too crazy, to be honest. 
Well, me and you both were giving a little bit more credit to Jorge Masvidal in the lead-up. Mm-hmm. So, for me personally, I am a little surprised because I didn't think this fight would be near as one-sided as everybody else seemed to think it was. I got, I understood, terrible matchup. But Masvidal, basically, the second half of this fight, you look at that body language, he didn't want to be in there anymore. Yeah. Colby Covington broke him. Yeah. Which is just kind of crazy to say. Uh, Says a lot. Didn't think that would happen. I thought the cardio wouldn't be a problem, and it clearly was. Again, you talked about that that, that shot in the fourth round, a beautiful left hand that dropped Colby Covington. And yet Jorge still Mm -hmm. looked defeated, did not try to finish that fight, didn't really try to follow up with anything substantial. That was a defeated man. Even when he had his glimmer of hope in his eyes, it was already over. He had nothing to pounce with, you know? Yeah. Crazy. He was too tired or just, mm-hmm. again, mentally defeated. It was crazy. It was honestly yeah. insane. I got to give a lot of credit to Colby Covington. I know he, for a lot of people, I don't think there is a lot of credit being given to him because it's like, as expected, he did what everybody sort of expected him to do. But I think he deserves a little bit of credit because, you know, it's not easy to be that dominant. And right. For him, yes, I understand the two losses to the champion, but he's basically solidified him. He is the Robert Whitaker of welterweights. Mm-hmm. Like, he is clearly that second guy. And, like, the to me, the difference between one and two but from Usman to Covington is not very, like, it's not very wide. Right. I right. think it's a short difference, but it's a big difference between one and two and then the rest of the pack. And that's, yeah. you know, obviously we have some names coming up. You know, Gilbert Burns is still so, yeah. definitely in there. Hamza Chimaev obviously on his way up. But for now, I mean, Colby Covington is clearly silver in this division. Yes, yes. Yeah, I agree, man. And it's and you know, it really outside of that, it just takes us to what could be next for both guys. And I guess we should probably start with what Colby said after, because he calls out another former teammate of his, another guy from American Top Team, Dustin Poirier. Noah, um, I know we kind of texted immediately in the group chat, um, and I just it is a big fight. Don't get me wrong; it would be a big fight, more huge storylines. So you know, that checks boxes for sure. But to me, I just I. Feel felt and i still do this morning sunday morning that i i don't know if that fight will happen i mean it, again like i said it chess check boxes it is big it's gonna draw eyes toward it dustin's pretty big uh, in the sport right now colby's obviously huge as well but i just don't get a good feel that this fight will happen i don't think there's much intrigue from dustin he even said like earlier in the week or maybe it was a two weeks ago, but like he doesn't even want to fight Colby. But if he does, it's not going to be in the octagon. It's going to be on the street, and yada, 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 on site. So I don't really know. I still kind of want to get your thoughts anyways based off your text message too. So Colby Covington, whether you love him or hate him, uh, you got to say, like, the guy's a smart guy. He knows what he's oh, doing. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, he, he comes from that Chael Sonnen uh, <laughs> school of fight promotion. Yeah. And, and where – even going into this fight, I think he already wanted to play in his next step. Yeah. So he wins. He gets on the mic. He calls out Dustin Poirier. And there's a reason for that. Yes, Dustin Poirier has been fighting at lightweight for so long, like has never fought at welterweight. 
while Colby has been in welterweight his entire UFC career. But look at the welterweight division right now. Kamar Usman said that likely him and Leon Edwards will fight in July. Then you got Gilbert Burns fighting Hamzat Chimaev. Colby's kind of the odd man out right now. Yeah. So he's looking for a big fight. He's looking for a fight that's going to keep him at an elevated level. He doesn't want to, you know, fall into a little bit of obscurity for a while. He wants to keep his name relevant, keep himself, right. you know, in the headlines. Dustin Poirier, a man who defeated Conor McGregor twice in 2021, would be that guy who is like around him. But like to me, it makes sense, and I'm sure there is some legit heat there. I'm sure, Kobe, yeah, right. I'm sure they legit don't like each other, but I think that it's more calculated than just him calling out someone he doesn't like. I think it's because he doesn't feel like there's an appropriate matchup for him at welterweight right now. So he's going to go for a guy who's flirted with going to welterweight. But, of course, I don't think it's going to happen because, for me, I look at Dustin Poirier and I see a man who is pretty clearly focused on Nate Diaz or nothing in terms of the future of his MMA career. I don't see if Nate and Dustin aren't able to come to terms. I don't know if Dustin fights again. Right. And if he does fight again, I don't think it's against Colby Covington. I don't think – for one, I don't think that's a good matchup for Dustin. No, I agree. Especially for a debut at 170. I mean, that's yeah. just asking a lot. And again, it's like, is the pay going to be really worth like prepping your body for the move up? And um, again, all the heat that he's going to have to take from Colby. I mean, look at what yeah. Colby said. <clears throat> I think I, yeah, I didn't literally. hear it at first, but <clears throat> I had to be kind of told after the fact that, I mean, he called his wife a Jezebel. He said his daughter was Conor McGregor's. I mean, yeah, look, I, I, we understand the fight game when it comes to the talk, the shit talk, like there's no, there's no line. People say there's a lot yes, of mean things said, but you, you never like to hear family get brought in. It just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't sit well. So yeah, I, I don't think it's a great look. But I also don't think the fight's going to happen. But I respect where his head's at there in terms of thinking, trying to think two steps ahead. Um, I guess we'll have to see. But do you feel any differently? Do you think that fight's a possibility in the future? I don't, man. I mean, really, we were kind of on the same boat. We still are here today. And um, I just, I don't know. And then, and if it doesn't happen, you're right. Colby's in a weird spot because he can beat everyone else, seemingly. But he's already lost to the champion twice, so he's holding that number one spot. But it's like, uh, essentially, he's gatekeeping a title shot. You know, if you beat me, you can probably fight Kamaru. Um, I said in the group chat last night that I think if Hamzat beats Gilbert, I think that's a phenomenal fight to make. Well, what I know if, you... Gilbert, if Gilbert beats Hamzat, isn't that still a phenomenal fight? True, yeah. I guess I should just say the winner of Gilbert and Hamzat. I've just, but, uh, I'm more so I just wanted to make sure you were thinking that. I guess I, I say Colby Hamzat because in terms of just the gratitude, the gratitude, that's not the word the, I'm looking the for. The levity. The, the magnitude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I got those yeah, confused. I get the magnitude of Covington Hamzat is a lot bigger than a Covington versus Burns. You know what I'm Great. saying? So yeah. I think that's why I automatically go to Hamzat. But yeah, him versus the winner of that fight makes sense. Um, I know you kind of gave your thoughts and I'll let you tell everyone how you feel about that idea. But for me, that's what I see happening. So a little bit of time off, maybe Colby gets the winner of that a little bit later this year. 
if Hamza beats Gilbert Burns and he has to fight Colby Covington next, I think that's a shame. I think yeah. the UFC would be pissing away a, a, a gold mine opportunity to put a guy who deserves it into a title fight, and I don't think they're going to miss that opportunity. Mm-hmm. You put Hamzat, who would have, at that point be Gilbert Burns, you know, the, one of the most hyped prospects you've ever had, who has shot his way up, and it's, let's say he defeats Gilbert Burns in emphatic fashion, right. he's done it without even t- breaking a sweat. Then you put him up against the guy who's lost two times at a champion and risk, you know, losing like your one true contender for the belt. I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, uh, I do think if Gilbert Burns wins, there's a argument to be made. For me, I think Gilbert would still. I think you give Gilbert another shot at the title at that point. But mm-hmm. more than likely, he probably would get put up with someone like Colby Covington after that. And uh, that still could be a pretty big fight, especially if you get Gilbert Burns coming off a win over Hamza. I mean, that's that's a definitely elevated fight at that point. But for Colby, I think it's just going to take some time. See how the the field moves around right. over the next few months. We may not see him again this year, honestly. Um, he's never been the most active fighter, especially – over the last couple of years, you know, he took that after that loss in the first fight against Usman. We didn't see him again until the following August where he fought mm-hmm. Tyron Woodley. And then it was a year and two months later before he fought uh, Kamaru the second time. Yeah. And here he is like, what, six months later fighting Masvidal. I, I, I understand the Poirier fight. Maybe there is a chance for it. I don't think so, though. Yeah. And, and and really too sorry which is why we're on the topic of like what next you said it doesn't matter with the rest of the division and I don't even think for Colby but even the winner of that Burns and Chimai fight which we'll get more into next month but like you still have the other you have Bilal versus uh, Vicente Luque happening again too so like I know that doesn't sound just intriguing as a title fight as Hamza does, but it's just there are a lot of layers. Kamaru's saying he's going to fight in July and then go box in September. We don't even know what he's going to do. It's just the division, it's like in a good state where there are fresh matchups coming, but it's still in a very weird state because you do still have two guys at the top that are beating everybody and all this other crap. So Yeah. Now for Jorge Masvidal, mm-hmm. the loser of this matchup, this is three losses in a row now, Dominic. What do you think could be next for him? That's a t- that you want to talk about a tough question. I think it's that right there. He just signs this new lucrative deal. He's one of the top five highest paid fighters in Makes the MMA. Him the, I just love how each week it's like when Israel signed, he was the second highest paid fighter in the <laughs> yeah. UFC, and now Jorge Masvidal is the third highest paid fighter in yeah. the UFC. I'm like, where are you guys getting these numbers from? Is this just an assumption? I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? But uh. You know, you look at you can look at it from one side of the spectrum and say, okay, he's lost three in a row, but it was twice to Kamaru and then Colby, the two best guys in the division. So you have that sentiment. But then it's also like, but what has he showed in general in those two fights outside of maybe a moment or two? Like in the first Kamaru fight, he landed some good body kicks, made him a little bit scared. Second fight, he got knocked out. Colby, he gets dominated for five rounds outside of one minute in the fourth. So, And he's so big that he's not just going to fight other contenders and like work his way to a title fight. Like I don't, I don't envision a world where we see that from Jorge Masvidal. So when you ask me what's next for him, no, I don't know if I even have a genuine answer for you, if I'm being honest. 
now's the the only time this fight will ever make sense. Uh-oh. It's time for the Conor McGregor fight. I saw Damon Martin tweet that, and I can't say I hated it. It's time for the Conor McGregor fight. I understand. I was not big on that fight ever happening. I felt Jorge yeah. was just way too big for Conor. Um, just maybe too powerful. Just it's, you know, it was just a big difference in what the opponents Conor has fought up to that point. Yeah. But now you have a guy on a three-fight losing streak who's still a big star in Jorge Masvidal. Then you have Connor who's lost uh, back-to-back fights. But he looks huge right now. He's very in his, big. <laughs> in his, coming off of his leg injury that he's trying to uh, heal up and get ready to fight again. I remember we had someone comment on one of our videos saying that they didn't think that he's ever going to be able to fight at lightweight again. And I don't think that that's, I'm not necessarily going that extreme. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a, ch- a really good chance that his comeback fight's going to be at welterweight just because I, I think he's going to be really, I mean, he looks huge. As yeah, player. I could see that for sure. So now's the time. If there's ever been a time, now's the time for Connor Jorge. And it's going to be kind of weird because both guys aren't exactly in the best places in their professional yeah. careers. But to me, that's the, that's the still the biggest fight that can be made in the entire company. And like now would be the only appropriate time to do it. There's nothing Jorge has left to do. Connor. Yes. Has like a Nate Diaz trilogy. There's potential for a Max Holloway rematch and all this stuff, a Tony Ferguson fight or a fourth yeah. Dustin fight, whatever. But especially if Nate and Dustin fight, that's going to leave Connor. Uh, perhaps I think he's not coming back till the fall at the earliest. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. been talking about July and stuff. I know he said that, but it's just not. No. Yeah. It's one thing to have your body ready, but then to try to get a Connor McGregor fight negotiated and work through all the details. Yeah. I mean, it's like a. I mean, that's a marathon in itself. So. Yeah. I think. Um, him and Jorge would make a lot of sense to headline that Madison Square Garden card to end the year um, in November. I think that that's that you know you get the a little bit of like Connor twenty sixteen when he went in the first show at Madison Square Garden, knocked out Eddie Alvarez for the second belt. Here he is five years later, or six years later, I guess yeah, at that six. point. Headlining with Jorge Masvidal be a huge fight. Yeah, I can't say it doesn't make sense. And at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about. When guys do essentially get to this level, there's only so much you can do with them. You know what I mean? And Jorge mm-hmm. has, again, he's not on Connor's level because no one's on Connor's level, but he's as close as you can be to it. Therefore, you don't fight contenders. You don't go fight Wonderboy Thompson and Blau Muhammad and all these guys. He's too big for those types of fights. That's why this one with Colby did make sense because Colby was at least closer to him in status, but now there's no one else for him. So I take some time off. I agree with you. I think I never thought I'd say it, but Jorge Masvidal, Conor McGregor looks as, as realistic as ever. And uh, I think that would obviously draw plenty of eyeballs to the UFC. So we'll see what happens, man. It's a weird spot to be in for both guys, even more so for uh, Jorge Masvidal. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the co-main event now. As Rafael dos Anjos defeats his short notice replacement in Hinato Moicano via unanimous decision, this was a five round fight. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Probably didn't need to be. I think after the fight played out, I don't think we really needed five rounds. However, I mean, I say that, but Hanato had some. I mean, this this was a weird fight. What's <laughs> to call it? To be truthfully honest, like I, 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 this might be a fight that I even need to go rewatch at some point because, <laughs> yeah. honestly, it's it, it's it's for majority of it very not a lot's going on. I mean. RDA looked fantastic here, by the way. The timing of the shots was great. Um, his takedowns were phenomenal. He was getting a lot of top control, a lot of just great ground and pound. And that's what the majority of the fight was. It was takedown, top control, some ground and pound, some elbows. But Hinato's face was butchered by what? The end of round three. Yeah, the eye and, especially was bad. Yeah, the eye was looking rough. There was a lot of questions on if the referee, Mark Goddard, should step in and stop it, if the corner should save their fighter. Uh, it just kind of got worse in rounds four and five. But then, you know, Hinato Moicano had these moments. You mm-hmm. know, like round five, he started landing. So, I mean, I think RDA was pretty happy that there wasn't a round six to that fight because Hinato came on strong at the very end of the fight, as crazy as that sounds. So I guess to start this discussion off, I want to get your thoughts on the performances of these two as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I'm going to, maybe I should just ask you the same question I did for the, the main event fight. Was there anything about this fight that kind of surprised you uh, did either guy bring something to the table or not that you were expecting them to or weren't expecting them to? And maybe you can even touch on the fact that we the fight didn't get stopped. Should it have been stopped? And I'll let you just kind of go from there. Uh, so RDA did look phenomenal. He did. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, we hadn't seen him in a very long time. So it was good to see him still look fresh. Uh, start to finish outside of moments in the fifth. But... Overall, I guess it would have went how you expected, at least for how RDA's wins typically go. Uh, Moicano, I didn't know how much to expect from Moicano. With all the circumstances coming in, the the weight cut, the five days, the traveling, the five rounds, it just no positives in terms of the matchup did it look good for Moicano here. Uh, but his toughness, um, I think he got to showcase that to a ton of people in a big spot. Uh, his, his grittiness. And sometimes that's just, uh, they're too tough for their own good. A lot of people pass that phrase around a lot. I know Danny even did at the post-fight presser. Personally, I thought Mark Goddard handled it amazing, if I'm being honest. Uh, He took all of the doctor's advice throughout the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. He straight up looked at Moicano in the face in the fifth and said, you have 30 seconds to prove to me that I shouldn't stop this fight, essentially, or I will stop it. Uh, and Moicano comes out and wins the round on two judges' scorecards. So I thought, in terms of Goddard, he did everything you could ask him to do. It, it, in that moment, if, if, if it looks that bad, I think it comes down to the corner. We've talked about corner stoppages a little bit on this show in the past and how we feel, or at least I should say I, because I don't remember how in-depth we went conversation-wise. But I feel that we should see corner stoppages more. I don't think there's any shame in a corner throwing in the towel to save their fighter. Um, but obviously they didn't choose to do that. The doctor checked it out. Moicano was still following his finger and everything. Goddard gave him that ultimatum, and Moicano went out there and won the fifth round. So overall, it got ugly. But I think in terms of how it went, 
I would put it more so on the corner for not stopping the fight than anyone else. Um, but other than that, I mean, RDA looked great. Moicano showed his heart. That's what it was for me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I really have any differing thoughts. I feel like you pretty much, our views line up there pretty good. I mean, RDA looked phenomenal. Shout out to Hinata Moicano for still stepping up, being a game opponent. Yeah, stock rose. Again, you know that the odds were what they were. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people weren't, I don't know if there was so much credit being given to Moicano or not enough credit being given to RDA. I still haven't really figured that out in my head. Because I'm still so shocked that as good as Hinato Moicano is and has looked recently, this is a big jump up compared to who he's been beating. Yes. And you're taking it on five-day notice, five rounds against a guy. And I know it's a tough thing for RDA to do. He said so much in the post-fight interview in, in the cage. He said, you know, it's hard for me, too to take this fight. And um, I agree with them because he's preparing for a Muay Thai striker yeah. in Fizaev, and instead he has to fight Moikano, who's a jiu-jitsu specialist. It's just a different style altogether. But despite that, RDA looked phenomenal. He did look like, I mean, he did look like the guy who had been in a fight camp preparing. The yes, timing yes. was there. Um, and he's just so good in general. So, in terms of the whole stoppage thing, to me, the whole, like, I've never seen a ref do, like, you got 30 seconds to turn this fight around or I'm stopping it. But, I mean, it really didn't come into play because the first 30 seconds, like, pretty much nothing happened. Yeah. He just still let the fight go on. So, I guess, I mean, you're right that Moicano probably won the round, I guess. I mean, I guess two judges gave it to him, but... Was it really worth it? I don't know. I feel like I'm not blaming Mark Goddard because there were there were when when that head kick landed and you know he kind of dropped and he was very wobbled and Mm -hmm. RDA was kind of pummeling him on the ground. I was kind of like, I mean, dude, you can. can I yeah, I would have been okay if he stopped. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm not blaming Mark Goddard, but I'm just saying there were opportunities to stop that fight before the start of the fifth round. I mean, that fight could have been stopped early in round four and mm-hmm. would have saved him a lot of damage that really he didn't need to take. Cause again, he did what he did his job. He showed up five days notice. He was on weight. He was a game opponent, but he's getting pummeled here and he's not going to win. So to me, it's more about keeping him in a decent condition for a future mm-hmm. fight that will elevate his stock. Cause I actually don't think this fight really did anything for him, Dom. I mean, if I'm being honest, and that's just because, and that's not a slight on him. That's just how fans are going to react to this. I don't, the conversation wasn't really about Moicano being a late replacement, stepping up. Moicano really wasn't, it, it didn't seem like once that fight went the way it did, the beating he took, it was less about, the discussion anyways about Moicano being this late replacement opponent that was just how, you know, didn't have time to prepare for this fight, but more it was about that he was outmatched mm-hmm. and maybe that's true, but that doesn't do anything for him. And like in his stock, it doesn't raise it. Yeah. He showed a lot of heart, but he was getting 
pummeled here. And mm-hmm. he had the moments late. But to me, like, you know, when we look at a fight like this or like Bobby Green last week against Islam Makachev, that Bobby Green had a that was great for him. He got in there and got beat inside a round, didn't have to take much damage, got yeah. paid a lot of money for it. And, you know, people just respected him stepping up. So then he'll get, you know, the UFC probably respected us. It'll probably get him a, a good matchup next. There's a part of that here. But look at how much damage, how much more yeah. damage he had to take, Moicano, that is, to get to that point. It's like, mm-hmm. to me, he didn't gain anything. He didn't gain more than Bobby Green did. But no. How much yeah, more damage I agree he with took. That. Yeah. So... The corner, it's really on them. I mean, what 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 are we what's what are we doing here? Like, I I I get it. I'm not really in that world. You know, we we've never yeah. really done it, so we don't get it. I guess, but I mean, you're looking at your fighter who has shown you basically. I get it. Round five, he ends up winning. So maybe in hindsight, this is all for naught. But through four rounds, he had shown you basically nothing. I mean, right. really had and had nothing left, and you're still gonna send them out there. I just, I don't know that. I, I guess that's their decision, but probably wouldn't be the decision I would want to make in that situation. Yeah, again, I I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of if a corner throws in the towel. You know. Yeah. Now, to kind of I guess get to a brighter side of this fight here. I want to talk about RDA for a second. Mm-hmm. How close is he to being a title challenger in your eyes at this point? He's ranked he's, number six. Yeah, he's there. He's close. Uh, I still think they should do him. I think they should still do Rafael squared. I think that's a really good fight still. Um, I'd say two wins. I think See, if he could beat Fizayev and one more... Yeah, I think he's right there. I, so, and it's weird. The division's weird, but so I don't think that fight probably should happen at this point. To me, and I, I know Dana is already kind of. To me, Islam Magachev should be waiting for the next title shot. Mm-hmm. I think you do Benil Dariush RDA. That's what Benil I Benil and RDA. And I think yep. that that would be a pretty. I mean, it's hard to say when would it take place, but I think that could be a number one contender fight. I really do. I definitely would love that fight, but Dana seems to like they're, they want to, I don't want to say punish, but I'm going to punish <laughs> Islam for not taking this fight. So he's like, well, we're just going to rebook that one. But if they don't do that and Islam does get the title fight, I think that is like the second fight to make RDA. I think Rafael Dos Anjos should be one fight away from a title fight. And one fight I mean, away. A win over Fazayev isn't really going to do that for him. It's mm-hmm. a great fight. I think RDA showed here that he has a lot of weapons that he could use. I, I don't think that, you know, even though Fazayev will probably be favored in that matchup, I don't think it's as uh, one-sided as maybe some people think. I mean, no. consider how many fights RDA has in the UFC, Dominic, and the wars he's been in and the, the high-level opponents he's fought. The man's never been dropped. I mean, even wow. in his loss to Eddie Alvarez, he never went down. Yeah, he was on the feet, wasn't he? Well, I know he became the 10th fighter ever to have 20 wins last night. So uh, his whole resume, like they talked about how good a strength of schedule is, but if you look at just RDA in general, his career, came into the UFC in 2008, by the way, still underrated, if I'm being honest. And just 
he is so well he really is good everywhere so he is still a puzzle for whether he's fighting young guys in this division like Fazayev or he's fighting another veteran in Dariush but uh he's he's an interesting fighter he's 36 or 37 but there's there's gas in the tank Noah he looks good yeah, and I, we'll see what, what really transpires. Is Islam and Benil going to end up getting booked again? Is Benil, when's Benil going to be ready? I guess he's yeah. not going to go with surgery, which we'll yeah. see. I don't know if that's the best choice, but um, we'll see how that goes. And for RDA, though, I, he might, maybe they do put him back with Fazayev. Like, I, I, I think we're a little bit. We're a little further apart on where we think he stands right now, but for me, you know, he was game here. He, he you know, obviously, if he would have beat Fizayev here, this would have been more of a statement, probably. Yeah. But um, I just think, considering he's the 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 inactivity definitely hurt having that like, yeah. sixteen months of no fights, but. I think if he could get a matchup with Benil Dariush, that would be such a great fight. A five-round headliner. I mean, that's, yeah. that is a great fight. And Islam should be waiting for the title shot. That's, that's just how I feel right now. See, I'm not, see, that's the thing. I, like, agree with it. It's just a matter of... Well, see, that's what you think. They do it. You're thinking that's you know? what will happen, probably, is him, Fazayev, gets rebooked. Right, Two right. fights away. Yeah. But what you say, I actually like more. You know what okay. I'm saying? Okay, I I think if I'm thinking realistically, I don't know if him and Fazayev happens again. I really don't. I think RDA has his sights set on Islam now. To be honest with you, I well, think he's let's so- say this real quick. Let's say they don't do the Rafael squared, but they do rebook Islam and um, Benil. Then what do you do with RDA? That's a great question because it looks like Michael Chandler's about to get booked with Tony Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And then once again, RDA is kind of in no man's land. It's it's yeah. a bit like Colby Covington we just talked about. So then at that point, you probably do Fazayev. I mean, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So I think that there's a good chance that what you said is really how it's going to play out. But it's just to me not the best use of everybody right now. The way the UFC right. is kind of putting their chess pieces together. I'm kind of like, ooh. Why, why is Islam having to fight again? Like, I'm not exactly yeah. uh, feeling that. But it, it is what it is right now. We'll see how it plays out as the words yeah. of Dana White. And uh, for Ardiato, I definitely think he's still one of the best of the best in the division. Yes, for sure. Following that, Dominic, we got to look at Bryce Mitchell, who Yeehaw. gets his first top 15 win against the number 10 Edson Barboza in a dominant, unanimous decision fashion. Mm. Thug Nasty, he came in, he dropped Barboza on the feet. Yeah. He was hellacious with his takedowns. He was dominant with his top control. He landed some really good strikes from the top. Not the most exciting fight in the world, but truly a showcase for Bryce Mitchell, Dominic. What did you think of that? Yeah, it was. It was very much so uh, a showcase for him. He looked so good from start to finish. I had my doubts. I did. I mm-hmm. thought the long layoff well, paired with Well, we both did. A, yeah, yeah. We both did. Um, the long layoff paired with the strike, the elite striking of Barboza. I felt that if Edson could keep this fight on the feet, which he obviously couldn't in hindsight, but he could moving in, I thought Bryce was in for a long night. But not only was Bryce able to get those takedowns and dominate on the ground, but on the feet, 
He's showing more and more competence with each fight. He showed it against Andre Feely, you know, impressive. But to show it against Edson Barboza, that's next level. You know, and you said he dropped him with the left. Very fast, very crisp, very powerful. Uh, What a performance from Bryce. One that, you know, after a long layoff, really what a way to make a splash back into the featherweight division. He's going to be top 10 now. Uh, What more can I say? He did everything. You could have wanted to see from him and more. I think he answered questions. I think he answered um, questions that weren't even thought of yet. That's how good this performance was. It was a dominant start to finish. Thug Nasty looking like a legitimate threat here, Noah, and a potential title contender down the road. That's true. That's all true. And, man, when Edson Barboza loses, he loses. (laughs) Yeah, he does. And that's kind of the perfect, I guess, opponent for Bryce Mitchell then because – when Bryce Mitchell's looking for this big opponent that he can get that showcase for here, like it's a bit like, you know, when I was talking about the Kevin Holland, Alex Oliveira, the, the showcase matchup, that's yeah. sort of what this was, but I didn't see it that way going in. That's why I'm okay with it because mm-hmm. I felt like Edson Barboza had a lot of weapons on the feet that could really, and I felt since he was down from lightweight, I didn't think it'd be as easy for the grapplers of this division to take him down like he did at lightweight. Yeah. But yeah. Bryce Mitchell, man, I mean, that's the second probably worst beating Edson took behind Habib Nurmagomedov at lightweight. That's yeah. really where we're at with that. So it was a great showcase for Bryce Mitchell, a great first win in the top 15. He's going to be top 10 now. I pitched to you guys in the group chat, a five-round headliner with Giga Chikadze. And I don't think I'm down with the five-round part, but I think the the matchup I still like. And here's mm-hmm. why. I don't think that fight needs to be five rounds because I think we'll get our answer on how that matchup's going to go outside of like a round and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's because a good point. It's, it's a bit like this fight with Edson Barboza. Their, their styles clash so much, but, but Giga proved to be better than Barboza. So you get that matchup. If Bryce is able to get his takedowns, he's going to gas Giga. He's going to be able to hold that top control, probably inflict a lot of damage from the top. But if Giga can keep that fight standing, I I think he's got the weapons to really do some damage to Bryce, you know, to Giga kick, doing the body work. Edson was doing that a lot here. I mean, Bryce's body was open for it. But um, I just don't think that needs to be five rounds because I think we'll get our answer outside of a round and a half. So I think that's the next matchup. Chikadze coming off a very tough but gutsy loss against Calvin Cater to start our year. I don't know when he'll be ready to go, but I think it's the, the proper step back and it's for a matchup between two of the division's brightest and best of the future. Yeah, uh, I love that fight. I love your sentiment on how you feel it doesn't need to be five. But I feel like the UFC is going to give Mitchell a headline spot in his next fight. Um, I do. I I think they like this kid. I think the fans like this kid. He did a lot for himself in the post fight, I believe. Um, And I was looking, I was actually talking to our buddies last night when we were watching it. I had to pull up the division, the rankings, who's booked. And, you know, I don't, he's not going to get Max, right? Ortega's going to fight Yair. Volk's fighting Korean Zombie. So, and Arnold Allen is fighting in two weeks. So, for me, it is Bryce versus Giga, Bryce versus Josh Emmett, 
or Bryce versus Calvin Cater. And I think either one of those three, by the way, all three of those guys, dangerous strikers, Bryce Mitchell, the grappler, the submission specialist, mm. the threat on the ground. So they're all kind of the same storyline. It's just a matter of, okay, which one do we want to do here? But I think either way, I think Thug Nasty's going to get five rounds. Now, I, I agree with you. We will know how the fight will play out within a round and a half or two. But I think I think he's going to get it. I think he's going to get the headline spot. Probably not in Arkansas, like I jokingly said. But still, I think he's going to do it. Uh, there's big fights ahead. And again, like I said, he showed me that he can be a title threat in uh, the next couple of years. Well said. Finally, for this main card that was just filled with headline store headline takeaways here kevin holland in his debut in the welterweight division does get the tko over alex cowboy Oliveira. comes in round two 38 seconds in but dominic it didn't come easy in round one that kevin holland arguably lost alex Oliveira looked very good early here yeah what was uh any big takeaways here in kevin holland's debut at welterweight it was when he did the thumbs up when he was in the rear naked choke to finish the first round. That was so funny. But overall, he looked great. I was super excited to see what he looked like physically, how he performed, yada, 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 at 170 pounds. And he checked a lot of boxes. Uh, he did face adversity. And I think that was more so because Alex Oliveira just came out wanting to throw out all the stops. You know, he's been on a losing streak. He's lost like six out of eight. So he's at that tail end, I feel, in his UFC career, even though he's been through a lot of tough competition. So he just came out and went for it, man. And I respect the hell out of him uh, for that. But for Holland to survive those threats, still win the first round. Uh, yeah, I think he won the first round. I think so. But then in the second, he gets the stoppage in 38 seconds. He looked great. He's very fast. He's very powerful. And he's still a super well-rounded fighter. We just When he finishes people in the UFC specifically or wins in general, we typically see it on the feet. Uh, but I think he showed he's ready to hop right in. Uh, into those welterweight rankings. I don't think he's going to be ranked, but I think he's going to get a welterweight uh, top 15 next, if I had to uh, guess. Yeah, I, I think this is a good debut for Kevin Holland. You get the finish over a tested opponent, but obviously mm -hmm. one who was past his prime at this point. So it checked the box. He did have that. I will say the callout was nice, even though, Oh yeah, love who it was for? He said, "I took out one cowboy. Don't make me call out another." And you know, we had just saw Cowboy Cerrone was sitting side by side with uh, Zach Brown, yeah, the Zach Brown band, who the UFC posted a video of where he said he was excited to see Oliveira. Who? Ain't no Oliveira on this card. Or was he talking about Alex Oliveira? Oh, yeah, I guess there was an Oliveira on this card. There's an Oliveira in this fight. Anyway. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Holland. So a good day for you. He did have to go through some adversity. I mean, Alex Oliveira was getting the better of almost every exchange they had in round one. It was yeah. kind of surprising. Like, I was kind of sitting there like, Alex Oliveira might be game here. I mean, this might be a yeah. more, again, I told you in our green room session, we had that even though I put money on Kevin Holland by KOTKO, and I probably still would have, even at that point, uh, Thursday or Friday, whenever we did that green room, mm -hmm. I, I started to become more toward the center. Like at first I was like, 
oh, this is Kevin Holland, like, 99 out of 100 times. Yeah. But I started to become more neutral in that fight as the week went on. I just, I started to realize, like, Kevin Holland's still pretty untested and, you know, has has had those holes and is not the most highest of IQ fighters, just kind of goes in there and flows and just kind of puts on a show for the fans, which is great, but... It, doesn't always lead to wins and yeah um alex Oliveira is kind of like that as well but i would say a more technical version of that a more skilled version of that more well-rounded version of that i guess um but kevin holland the the length the size was uh definitely an advantage here and he finally in round two used it i feel like round one he wasn't really using his reach very much and um, once he finally did I felt like it was pretty smooth sailing. So he he said in a interview afterwards that he mm. took back his call out of Donald Cerrone, said he really wants to fight Daniel Rodriguez next. Dominic, that is a perfect perfect matchup next for those two. I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it is perfect. I that would be such a good fight. Two guys on the feet. They're gonna go tit for tat. Both are long rangy technical but a little bit crazy i mean that's a fantastic fight i know neither guy have a ranking in the welterweight division but both i feel like could be top 15 guys easily i still don't understand why daniel rodriguez isn't ranked that kind of annoys me he was for like a week yeah i don't know he's literally one of the most underrated talents probably in that division right now but that is a sick fight in one that you're not going to hear me complain about whatsoever i just love that you just said that you thought kevin holland would i know be the top 15 next and you're like oh i love that fight like, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i was like wait noah sent me a dm and it was daniel rodriguez i'm like yep yeah, scratch that we're going to rod <laughs> uh, more to come with ufc 272 but we do have to talk about something that was announced during the broadcast of ufc 272 the 2022 ufc hall of fame Always gets announced, or usually gets announced, I guess, pre-COVID during uh, International Fight Week, which I believe they're going back to this year. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, back to nor- some sense of normalcy in that schedule. And the Hall of Fame ca- class gets its headliner, Dom. Former UFC lightweight champion Habib Nurmagomedov was, uh, is going to get inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. So... Were you surprised at all? I mean, again, I think it's a pretty inevitable induction. But considering he just retired in October of 2020, that he's getting inducted here, were you surprised? No, uh, not at all. This has got to be – so this Hall of Fame is weird because they have, like, this is the modern wing that he's going in. They have the fight (laughs) wing and then, like, the – what is it? Pioneer wing. Yeah. So for Habib – like you said, just retired in October. Is this the quickest we've seen the UFC put someone in the Uf in the Hall of Fame as an actual like fighter themselves? Because like obviously John Jones is still an active fighter, but they put his fight with Gustafson in the Hall of Fame. Well, that you know doesn't what I mean? count. That doesn't count. Right. Like so as an individual to retire that quickly and then already get put in, I think it's well, got to be. I mean, guy, there's guys in there who were still fighting while the. I mean, Randy Couture was inducted and he was still fighting. Oh, okay. That's basically the answers I was looking for. Then. I think. So, well, at least he he because you know Randy, at that time he retired, came back, fought a heavyweight, had the yeah, amazing yeah. run. Um, when he defeated Tim Sylvia and Gabriel Gonzaga, I believe somewhere in there he retired, 
got inducted, then unretired, fought it more, and you know. So I it's I think it's happened, but it's definitely it just feels considering again, I've only been watching in the capacity I've been watching for the last six years or so. It's I'm so used to the team sports dynamic for Hall of Fames where yes, usually exactly. you're out for like five years before you can get inducted. Right. Uh, so to see Habib get inducted here, I was a bit surprised. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I think that's what I actually I went into the other room to talk to my sister. So I missed the promo video. I came back in and everybody said Habib's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'm like, huh? What I, I was gone for two minutes. I missed the whole thing. But uh, the promotional piece was good. I think it says a lot about his legacy and how the UFC, um, specifically even like Dana White himself, feels about Habib. It's a great honor for him. He's done a lot for the sport. Um, and he's been a great ambassador. He's now you know going to be the head of Eagle FC and promote his own fight. So it's a big deal for him. It's a prestigious honor. And again, a quick turnaround for him. But when it's Habib, I think it makes sense. I hope he wears the headpiece on stage, by the way. Yeah, he really, you could tell he really thought it was prestigious when he looked pissed. How off. did he react? Oh, he was pissed because he's still mad about. Uh, Tagir? Yeah, Tagir. <laughs> he's still mad at Tim Elliott. Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think, I don't know, fighter, I don't know how much fighters really value the UFC Hall of Fame. I mean, it's a bit of like a, you know, it's a bit of a buddy system there. I mean, it, you know, there's certain guys that should get in that won't. I mean, why isn't Anderson Silva in? If, if true, true. Like, I understand he's still fighting, but he's boxing and stuff. Like, why? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I, I like. Habib deserves it. Best lightweight of all time in the UFC, and maybe just ever. I don't know, but like when he gets in, and like Anderson Silva still is in, it's just like so weird to me sometimes. Yeah. So, the UFC Hall of Fame is a bit of a mess, but you know, it's all we have right now. So until there's an MMA Hall of Fame. Until we start we ours. Yeah right, yeah, right. Exactly. But um, moving on from there, let's get into the rest because there was a lot going on on this card, Dominic, and it starts with our opener, of the main mm-hmm. card, Sergey Spivak, who I still haven't figured out the proper way to spell his name, the UFC have it S-E-R-G-H-E-I, but then I see it on Wikipedia and on, like, Twitter people posting it's S-E-R-G-E-Y. Yeah, yeah. I, I just went with what they put on the TV yeah. last oh, night. Oh, I, I hear you. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way to go. But he gets the TKO over Greg Hardy. Minutes, 16 seconds of round number one. Cha-ching, mm-hmm. under one and a half rounds. Oh, yeah, Thank I you very forgot. Much. But, right. uh... Dominic, is this mark the end of the Greg Hardy experiment in the UFC? One would think so. We kind of chatted about this in our group chat as well. I just feel like it. What what is there to gain from this at this point? Like at first, I, I it was already a weird look for the UFC to bring him in, given his past, and then uh you know he was on the contender. They gave him the developmental deal. He looked good. He was knocking people out right. So there was hype there still. Former NFL Pro Bowler, like you know. It was a big deal. But then, you know, meh. It's just all been meh. And now he's lost three in a row. He's been stopped three times in a row. It was the last fight on his contract. So if it's going to be the end, it probably makes sense to have it in now. So uh, if I'm being honest with you, I don't think we'll see Greg Hardy back in the UFC octagon. I know you may have differing thoughts, and I'll let you share. Oh, I think that's definitely probably the end. Uh, look, 
I, I said what I said. I stand by Greg Hardy as a UFC caliber heavyweight in terms of what he can do on the feet. But the whole the rest of his game is so green and just undeveloped at this point. And he's also just mentally the IQ. I'm not sure fight IQ wise where that that's yeah. not very strong either. You know, this is the man who took an inhaler uh, in between rounds at one point. So, um, I, it's definitely the end, I would say. But like, again, the, the heavyweight division is not the deepest. I mean, you look at some of these guys that get put on some of these cards. They don't last very long, which is why Greg Hardy probably shouldn't have been fighting on the the platform that he was given. He shouldn't be on these pay-per-view main cards and what have you. But in terms of, like, is he a UFC caliber heavyweight? I was like, I mean, he's he's beat guys that were in the UFC. And, yeah. yes, most of those guys I don't think are even around anymore. But that's why Greg Hardy, it ran its course. It had its moments. You know, right. the, the fight with Volkov, he took on short notice. He went all three rounds, lost. But that was the best showing of his career. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. From there, it just kind of went backwards a little bit yeah. so you know greg hardy i'm sure he can continue this if he wants to elsewhere maybe bellator comes calling i don't know yeah. um but if not i mean if that's the end for him in mma then you know blink and you miss it i guess in terms of the history yeah yeah jalen turner the tarantula he gets the TKO over Jamie Malarkey round two, 47 seconds in. This one wasn't even very close, Dominic. Jamie, uh, excuse me, Jalen Turner uh, put a beating on Malarkey, who, to his credit, can take a punch. Yeah, J- uh, Jalen Turner's putting it all together right now, man. He is. Um, he, he started his UFC career rocky, 0-2. I think he even got finished in one or maybe even both. But since, he's tallied all four straight wins, all four via finish, and he's looked literally i love when you can watch a fighter go out especially these younger guys in each fight you can literally tell the improvements they're making we can see that clearly here with jalen turner i mean he just had came off two of his last three were by submission the guy only had one submission ever before they're coming into the ufc so and then he gets a dominant finish here over jamie malarkey via tko he looks so powerful he's so long and rangy for 155 pounds this dude, hey, a 12 and 5 record doesn't do it justice because right now he's entering into his prime and he's absolutely on a tear. This yeah, boy he's, he's is going to cause problems. He is a tough matchup, too, because yes. he's so lanky, so tall, and so skilled. He's got power in the hands, but he's got great submissions as well. I think that there's some real potential here mm. with Jalen Turner, and we'll see yes. how far that goes. But Jamie Malarkey. Better days ahead, I believe, too. I think we didn't really get to see much of him here because it was just, man, I mean, I really think this fight said more about Jalen Turner because this felt like a very even fight yes. when it was being booked. But it didn't come off that way once it, you know, took place. And uh, Jalen Turner might be ready for top 15. I mean, that's just where I'm at with it. Calm down with that, too. It's tough, though. It's lightweight, right? It's lightweight <laughs> yeah. Vision, so, I mean, it's tough. Yeah. But I, I definitely think he's knocking on the door there. Yeah. Marina Rodriguez and Yan Xiaonan went to a split decision where Marina Rodriguez comes out on the winning side. Um, very close fight. Very competitive fight. This obviously should have been on the main card. One of the better fights of the night, I thought. Yeah, it was a great fight. Um, Xiaonan 
looked really good early here. Mm-hmm. She she looked like she was much faster than Marina. Her hand speed was faster. But the problem was that she couldn't really keep that up for three rounds. She just started to slow down just a little bit. And that, that difference was where in round one, she was able to pretty much get in the pocket, throw some yep. really clean combinations, and then get out without getting touched. Once rounds two and rounds three came into play, she wasn't able to evade those shots and land those shots as cleanly as she did in round one. So Marina Rodriguez gets the win, and obviously it's been the story of her career with these close fights, draws, split decisions, what ends up happening here. I scored it for Marina Rodriguez. I did have a betting bias, though. I had her be a decision on one of my parlays. Dominic did as well, so... um, Probably doesn't matter what we scored it, but I think both come out looking really good here. Yeah, I agree. This was a really good fight. We knew it was going to be three rounds on the feet, back and forth, high level, and uh, that's what it was for 15 minutes. Marina looked great. She made good adjustments, I felt, and Yan Janan did slow down, and if you slow down against Marina, she's not going to stop, man. She's so good at picking you apart from range. She's got the Muay Thai clinched knees. And she's powerful. She'll swing big, heavy hooks. I mean, she knocked out Amanda Hebos just last year. So she's won four in a row. I know it was a split decision. But to me, adding that to the win streak you're already on still is a title-earning performance mm-hmm. to me. So now I just need Rose and Carla to be booked so I know kind of the timeline we're dealing with, Noah. I agree. That that's a. I felt like Marina Rodriguez had a resume that didn't require another fight yeah. before this one. And here she gets a win. It was close, but Zhao Nan is a great opponent, a high-level yes. opponent. So we'll see uh, Rose versus Carla hopefully this summer, maybe August, September or something. And then we can plan on maybe end of the year or beginning of next year, Marina Rodriguez taking on the winner of that fight. And for Zhao Nan, I mean, I really thought she showed a lot more here than I was expecting. I mean, again, yes. I said I felt like I was underestimating her because she looked pretty unremarkable against uh, Carla Sparza. She got beaten up. And, uh, you know, as much as that said about Carla, I think a part of it affected how I viewed Zhao Nan as well. But here I thought that this was what I needed to see from her to, like, kind of get her back in my mind as, like, a top five level straw weight right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Marina Moroz got the submission over Maria Agapova in the, the other grudge match on the card. Yeah, uh, Moroz gets that submission in round two, three minutes, 27 seconds. Dominic, this was a fight that you were very invested in. How did it, did it, did it take, uh, did it transpire the way you imagined? Well, the actual investment did not pay off. No, but, uh, <laughs> Hey, it was a fun fight. And honestly, I'm going to, I was high on Agapova, but now she's, I think three and two in the UFC. And when she loses much like Edson Barboza, she gets destroyed. And that's what happened here. She did not look good really at all. She did re- reverse position in round one and kind of end on top. But for the most part, it was all uh, morose here from start to finish. A great performance. She had been off for like two years. Mm-hmm. So to come in against a young up-and-comer like this, I felt it was just not a good matchup for her. But boy, was I wrong. Because not only is she known to be this great striker, but her grappling was just levels above Agapova in this yeah. one. She got the submission, made it look easy. Her ground and pound was vicious and nasty. Great performance, man. She got the performance of the night to cap it off. It was awesome. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I thought this would be a, a more competitive bout for sure. Yeah. But, uh, man, Morose. And, you know, I, I, I started to lean Morose's way. Uh, she's Ukrainian. She mm-hmm. obviously had a lot going. There's a lot going on in the Ukraine right now. And um, she was very emotional afterwards. But yeah. I felt like um, that was there was going to be some added motivation, not just for the fact that she's going up against, like, someone that she despises, yeah. but also the fact that her country is being invaded as we speak. And, um, you know, her family and stuff are over there. So mm-hmm. uh, a very heartfelt win for her. You know, I really yes. my heart went out to her when she was uh, talking afterwards. And, I mean, it was a great moment for sure. Yeah, man. Umar Nurmagomedov. Basically, guys, if you see a Madoff or Nurmagomedov or a, run, if you see run. that neck beard, see it. Yeah, it's or that. Uh, you know that like little song or sound where it's like run. Yes, that's what this is. Yes, exactly. Umar Nurmagomedov gets a submission over Brian Kelleher in the first round, three minutes fifteen seconds in. I mean, it copy paste. We talked about Saeed Nurmagomedov. We talked about Islam Makhachev. Copy paste. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a hey, Umar Nurmagomedov versus Saeed Nurmagomedov is going to be a great title fight one day. And it's, uh, <laughs> oh. This is uh, is this a bantamweight? Is this a bantamweight division? Or well, the fight took place at one forty-five, but yes, he's a bantamweight typically. I'm pretty sure Saeed's a bantamweight as well. So that's going to be a great title fight one day when those two <laughs> take on one another. I can't say you're wrong, Noah, because the, that a problem. To go out there and do this to Brian Kelleher, people don't do that to Brian. They just don't. He's a tough out for anyone, and he made it look so easy. I remember texting and saying, so quick or, like, so fast, because he, he was on Keller's back, but Keller's been there before, you know. It, he'll be okay. Boom. Rear naked choke. Within seconds, he's tapping. I mean, what a performance. Nurmaga made off headpiece chin strap beard he actually had a little bit of the uh, goatee portion going yeah. which not a lot of the others edgy. do edgy making him a little bit more dangerous i mean <laughs> oh man that guy's a problem yeah i i compl- really nothing else to say there I completely agree it's all about just getting him booked against someone that's like top 15 or close he could to he, he could easily get top 15 already right okay yeah okay. I'm, I'm, yeah I, look i i'll admit that there is, I mean, it's true. Like you see someone with a Magomedov or Nurmagomedov or <laughs> yeah. Makachev or whatever. You see those last names or you see the neck beard, the chin strap. And there is an inflated view of those guys at this point. But have they proved this wrong yet? Have they been wrong yet? Have they been wrong yet, Dom? Next. Anyways, Tim Elliott. Now, I guess, okay, well, <laughs> saying that, but then Tim... <laughs> Uh, the timing here. Can we just, redo this? Re- <laughs> the timing. Here, the timing here it could not be worse because <laughs> following that, to hear Ulembekov, who is out of Camp Habib, uh, yeah. lost in his uh, fight with Tim Elliott via unanimous decision. Now, to hear is it had an interesting run uh, yeah. going coming in here. He was two and zero, but I think you could have had an argument that he lost both fights. I mean, really, yeah. they were both very close. Considering how much potential he had coming in, maybe some of that inflated just because of who he trains with and mm-hmm. surrounds himself with. But I think there's good reason to believe that because he's got the striking as well. Um, 
But here he was going up against Tim Elliott, who's had a mixed run in the UFC, but he's had some really big highs and some big lows. Yeah. And it's always been about Tim Elliott. The consistency has just never really been there. Very awkward style. Um, But a guy who's, you know, he's been there, done that with Demetrius Johnson and people like that, the best of the division. And he got the win over to here, Ulan Bekov. And Dominic, it was probably my favorite fight of the whole card. It happened early. Yeah. Um, I know a lot happened afterwards, so it was kind of hard to remember. But, I mean, the, the, the it felt like this was the best Tim Elliott I've ever seen. And I might even go as far to say, Dominic, the fight ended up being closer, like, in the end. But for at least the first two rounds, that Tim Elliott might beat anybody outside the top four or five in that flyweight division. That Tim Elliott, I mean, he had an answer for everything, everything. to hear. Yeah. Did. He was he was transitioning perfectly. He was stopping takedowns perfectly. He was looking great on the feet. Had that he great had left down. hand where it knocked him down in round one. It was a beautiful first two rounds. Now, round three, things got a little dicey. Ulan Bekov got the back, got the body triangle. But all in all, a win for Tim Elliott. Probably the biggest win, maybe one of the biggest wins of his career. Yeah, I agree. You you really said it best. Uh, this was probably my personal fight of the night. It was so fun to watch. And you, you had just, you had everything. Everything you could see in a three-round fight, I feel like, happened. There were knockdowns. There was back and forth on the feet. There was clinch work. There was grappling, transitions, submission attempts. Everything in a span of 15 minutes. Uh, Tim Elliott has just continued to become more herky jerky later in his career (laughs) but he's like not in a like a bad way like he performs clean at the same time james krause is in his corner one of the best coaches in mma right now uh so what a performance to do this for ulan bekov that is still a tough fight like we talked about it even on the nosebleeds because elliot was my dog of the week i didn't place a bet on it unfortunately but here we are uh but ulan bekov i still feel there's potential just a little bit slower of a, of a run to kind of push him in there. But I still think he's top 15 worthy. I still think his skill set's top 15. Uh, and he still showed a lot in a losing effort. Yeah, I still think he needs more seasoning. I think that yeah. was clear even from the last two fights, I felt like. I mean, there's not – it's hard with flyweight because it's a lot different than the other men's divisions because there's just a lot less people on the roster. Yeah. But um, I, so top 15, like – that's over half of the people on the roster, I'm pretty sure, of flyweight. So yeah. it's hard to say, like, oh, it's a little too soon for him to be in the top 15. Maybe it's right. But I, I want to see him fight more this this back half caliber and unranked caliber opponents because he has a lot of potential, but he's yet to put it all together. And, I mean, he could easily be 0-3 right now. That's just yeah. the truth of the matter. So still think he's got – a lot, but uh, I I gotta talk about the uh, the cheating from Tim Elliott. Dude. Oh, was, the gloves, dude. Yeah, so um, he was he was a sneaky little man in there, and uh, Coach Habib none happy Pissed. about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, going off on um, who was the ref for that? Was that Mark? God? No, that was a uh, Tanyoni. Uh, yeah, I think it's so. Yeah, Chris Chris Tan Chris Tanya. I don't know how to say his last name. Chris Tanyoni. I know that. I think they Chris say Tanyoni. Tanyoni. Yeah. Um, I believe that's who the ref was, and people's going off. Um, I mean, it is what it is. Like it was cheating. I mean, it clearly was. But I mean, well, you still already have... know. Oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say Habib is going to get more mad seeing that because Connor, if you guys remember, grabbed Habib's glove and did kind of that same thing yeah. too. So, um, it, and what was also funny is that Michael Bisping was on commentary and he's cracking up like, well, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, he ain't getting caught. He's showing his veteran expertise. I'm like, Michael, you're advocating for cheating in the octagon I here. But. It was pretty funny. <laughs> I, all in all, it didn't really play into a finish or it didn't. Yeah switch the the grab like since it wasn't fight changing or fight ending i'm gonna laugh about it but i understand if people are like pissed off if you were like a big to hear fan and you're probably pissed that that happened and there was no nothing said because it was pretty egregious but yeah you know yeah. it i still couldn't help i couldn't help but just love this fight watching it so i mean it it had just kind of added to the the character of the fight. Like it was just, it you know, it just yeah. added to it a little bit, but Dominic, I think that's going to wrap it up for this weekend recap edition. All about UFC 272. So, um, next week we got more coming at you. You a got a lot uh, more actually. Oh, there's a ton. <laughs> wow. I'm mean, just now looking. Eagle uh, San- Santos versus Ankalaev. You got yeah. Bellator 276. One FC, uh, Thon Lee versus Gary Tonin, John Lineker versus Bobiano Fernandez. Um, technically, PFL Challenger Series, but uh, obviously, yeah. as you can see here, well I, well, I didn't talk about it today. So, will I talk about it next week? I don't know. And then Eagle FC 46, Kevin Lee versus Diego Sanchez. So, um, yeah, a lot Jam-packed to talk week. about. <laughs> so, get ready, people, because we got a lot coming at you. It's going to be fun. But it's going to be jam-packed. So um, I guess since I forgot to do our outro and our intro again, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at DCLE14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with the show with us on Twitter, on Instagram, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, It'll take you to a link tree, uh-huh. which will present you a list of links to all the platforms the podcast on along with social media platforms. So that includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out Shout to out. First, leaving a voice message. If you have any opinions on the fights that took place, any fights upcoming, if you want to ask us a question, you can do so there up to 60 seconds. And there's a link on there if you want to become a financial supporter of the podcast. Any and all support is appreciated. But that's it. We're out. And we'll see you guys on Thursday.